and welcome to Regeneratively Speaking, a podcast brought to you by the Wake Forest Institute for Regenerative Medicine in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. I'm Emily Gregg. And I'm Joshua Huntsberger. In each episode, we bring you interviews with guest researchers and our institute's faculty covering the latest cutting-edge research on regenerative medicine. Today we have Dr. Margot Damaser, a professor for the Department of Biomedical Engineering at the Cleveland Clinic and a senior research career scientist for the Advanced Platform Technology R&D Center at the Cleveland VA Medical Center. Welcome to WFIRM. Thank you. Um, so I'd like to begin by talking about your education. You received your bioengineering doctorate from the University of California at Berkeley in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So tell us about that experience and um, your thesis work with the bladder. Uh, so I um, did a lot of biomechanics and mathematical modeling of the bladder for my thesis. Uh, I wanted to do a bladder control model and ask from an engineering perspective, how is the bladder controlled? Um, and then as a second step, right, what goes wrong with that control in incontinence? I'm talking about neural control and um, but in an engineering control system, the thing that is controlled is called the plant. And then the control network, in, in biologic terms, the nerves, then control the plant to work properly. Um, and what I found in doing the research is that not enough was known about the plant mm-hmm. or the bladder to develop a control system. Mm-hmm. So my thesis ended up being about the bladder. Um, and, um, and it was a very mathematical modeling biomechanical thesis um, and um, based on a few um, animal studies and then I took the very, very few animal studies and, and spun them off into 200 pages of math. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds very interesting. Um, so in the beginning of your postdoctoral training, you spent some time as a visiting scientist in Sweden. So how did that time abroad shape uh, the rest of your training? So what I decided to do for my postdoc, um, I did all this mathematical modeling and all this math based on normal animal studies, and I hypothesized what was happening in pathology, but I couldn't check it because I didn't have the pathology models. Um, or clinical data from patients. And so I went to Sweden specifically to learn to work with um, rodents and, and models of bladder pathology um, with the goal of testing my models. And they gave me the freedom to do set up the experiments to test the models that I had already developed. At the time, um, the only animal models available were models of bladder pathologies that affect men, um, particularly um, bladder outlet obstruction due to BPH or benign prostatic hyperplasia. So those were the models that I worked with and those were the models that I trained on. <laughs> that is actually a very good segue to my next question, which is that it seems like you have always had a research interest in urologic health, particularly women's health. So what made that particular field pique your interest other than the obvious? (laughs) The obvious being women are great. Correct, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So when I began my first 
faculty position, which was at Loyola University in Chicago. Um, I was searching for a way to make myself independent from my mentors and not um, put in a grant that was, you know, so similar to my postdoc mentor that one could hardly tell the difference. And, and then I figured I would lose out in that case because he has more experience. Um, and, uh, and so I um, was going around to scientists and clinicians at Loyola and at other institutions in Chicago and meeting colleagues and networking and making connections and I would introduce myself and I would tell people this is my background this is my experience what do you think I should work on what you know Mr. Urologist Mr. Gynecologist Ms. Dr. Gynecologist what do you what would help your patients what do you think I should do research in mm -hmm. And there was one urogynecologist who flatly said, and this is a quote, Margot, isn't there something you can do for the women? <laughs> and so we started talking about it, and I started doing more targeted meetings with potential collaborators. And I took what I learned about um, animal models of bladder pathologies in men and developed several animal models of incontinence in women. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's very similar outcome measures and very similar um, testing procedures. So mm -hmm. um, a lot of those skills translated. And how do you see regenerative medicine playing into that? So the incontinence that women get, urinary incontinence, is mostly stress incontinence, um, although some women do get overactive bladder, which is the other major form of incontinence, but we have decent pharmacologic treatments for overactive bladder, mostly developed from these animal models of pathologies of men. Um, but nonetheless, they work for the women, and the women can um, have decent treatments for overactive bladder, but it's really the stress incontinence, um, which occurs in women, very rarely in men, and there's uh, very limited treatments. There's not much between Kegel exercises and surgery. And if your Kegel exercises don't work, you need surgery. And so right in that window between these sort of two extreme treatments from very mild to very extreme, there's an opportunity for some regenerative treatment. And um, there have been pharmacologic agents that were tested and it's very difficult to work up a pharmacologic agent for stress incontinence. It's a very mechanical problem when a woman coughs and leaks urine. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's not easily fixed with a drug, um, but uh, it's very strongly associated with vaginal delivery of children. And if we can help those injuries repair after delivery, we could possibly treat postpartum incontinence and prevent stress incontinence that occurs later in life. I got to say, from a personal perspective, I'm a young mom. I had a baby just over a year ago. So Congratulations. I, well, thank you. <laughs> but I do relate to everything that you <clears throat> talked about today um, and the importance of it and the fact that there is a need 
for alternatives for our current treatments, which you said were pretty much just diapers, exercises, and then all the way to the extreme of surgery. Um, so talk a little bit about more about that need for alternative treatments, um, because one of the things that I wrote down that you said today was there's really nothing to treat the regenerative aspect of that injury. So can you talk a little bit more about that need? So Kegel exercises are the only rehabilitative, regenerative, maybe, treatment possible. Mm-hmm. Um, if one does the Kegel or pelvic floor exercises exactly right and very often, um, then um, it has been shown that the, the muscle gets stronger and it can help the nerve regenerate into the muscle mm-hmm. after the nerve injury. Um, and the exercise helps produce some of the neurotrophic factors that are not upregulated after injury. Um, and, and so that is the one rehabilitative regenerative exercise that's um, available for women and mm-hmm. women who can be taught and women who can do them and who have the dedication to do them all the time can be helped. Um, but from the expression on your face, I can tell that you are among the many of us who don't quite have the dedication with a newborn, let's Correct. not forget. Correct. Mm -hmm. to be doing these darn exercises all the time. Mm -hmm. I think it's an opportunity to provide an adjuvant treatment, maybe a single injection, um, maybe an occasional electrical stimulation, um, and not releasing women entirely from doing the Kegels, but as an adjuvant to the Kegels for the 99% of us who um, can't quite do them as often as is needed. One of the sort of less invasive approaches um, that you referenced in your seminar today, secretomes. Um, so can you talk a little bit about what that word means and, and what, the, what that entails? So what we're testing as a regenerative treatment after delivery um, are the secretions of stem cells because stem cells in particular have a very broad secretions meaning they secrete many things Um, and in particular they secrete the things that help cells other cells regenerate Uh, like like growth factors and and factors that attract other stem cells to help Um, and so the secretome refers to these secretions, and um, it's a term that was adopted from other ohms and iomes that we know. So uh, you may have heard of the biome, the urinary biome, which is the totality of microbiological things in the in the urine, or the fecal biome. Um, we talk about the proteome or proteomic studies, which is a totality of proteins. So the secretome Mm -hmm. is the totality of secretions from these cells. Um, We culture the cells uh, and then we extract the cells and we're left with everything they have secreted in the 24 hours that they were being cultured. And how is that better than a traditional cell therapy? So the advantage of using the secretions instead of 
the cells is that um, although the risk of um, the side effects of cells are small and these treatments have generally been proven to be safe, there is a small oncogenic or cancer risk of overgrowth of stem cells. Um, and you don't have that from the secretome because it's non-cellular. Uh, and in addition, um, the cells, particularly if they're autologous or from the same individual who's receiving them, can have a variety of, um, of, of deficits. Uh, so there could be genetic disorder, which perhaps led to the stress incontinence in the first place. Um, if a woman is older, these are old cells. Uh, if we collect the secretome, we can use um, secretome from a single individual who is perhaps pre-screened um, to be healthy and young, um, and then we can treat many women with this one secretome, and we can use it what we call off the shelf. So it can be refrigerated and pulled out. Um, and it doesn't have to be cultured like the cells and then injected as the cells. And it's much more like a drug therapy. Mm -hmm. That sounds like a really great accomplishment when it happens. Um, do you have any takeaway messages for our audience today? So I think the takeaway message is uh, stay strong. <laughs> do your Kegels. <laughs> <laughs> Hang in there and um, and know that we're working on the research and um, we're working to translate this to uh, women with stress incontinence and other pelvic floor disorders. Um, and if you're interested in getting involved, then get in touch with the W firm. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming. Okay. <laughs> it was great. That's all for this episode. Be sure to listen next time for the latest in regenerative medicine. This podcast is a production of the Wake Forest Institute for Regenerative Medicine, part of the Wake Forest Baptist Medical Center. For more information, visit our website at www.wfirm.org or follow us on Facebook and Twitter at WFIRM News.